It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. Probably needed this more than usual. Right? Oh, just take it in. Breathe out. Let's set the tone for the show, shall we? We take your call, so it's whatever you want to talk about. But let me say, I am becoming more and more convinced that the more attention we give to terror attacks, the more we will have. Michael, how could you not talk about it if that's what's happening, Michael? Then they're going to just keep doing it, doing it, doing it. No, they're not. They're not. The point of killing largest number of people is not bloodlust. They're not serial murderers. They're people who want to give meaning to their lives. They're people who want to get their agenda on the front page and make it the subject of discussion the world over. And we give them that every time we talk about it. Every single time. I made a joke last night on Twitter. Who knows what it was? It seemed funny to me at the time. And some woman said, How dare you with everything going on in the world? Sweetheart, you have probably haven't left the county you live in in 25 years. So let me let you in on a little something. 
in several countries around the world, there is tribal warfare going on to such an extent that the $18 worth of goods you have in your life are being trampled, burned, bulldozed, smashed, stolen from you every day. But it didn't come on your TV, so it didn't happen. But it did happen. It's just that Rwanda's not really interesting to people here. Or when villages get wiped out in Sierra Leone. Well, I don't know where Freetown is, but it sounds nice. Or Liberia, where children are being taken from their villages and the rest of the family executed, and those children put through a vicious boot camp until eventually they too are pledging allegiance, like a gang, to some group that pretends they're seeking justice or goodness or whatever else, but all they really want is power. It's happening every day. But it's not happening, is it? Because if it's not on TV, it didn't happen. But if it is on TV, it not only happened, whatever, we we interrupted Pokemon for it. Oh, that's big stuff, man. So maybe we got to focus on things we want to focus on. And give the authority to the people we give to whom we want to give the authority to end this nonsense. What do you think? It's not every day that a police department has to bury multiple officers. These five officers exemplified what the community and their departments expect of a police officer. We love you with everything we have. We are now your surrogate family members. There's no greater love than this, that these five men gave their lives for all of us. You know who has really shined throughout all of this? The people of Dallas, but particularly the police chief. They have shown what Erica Greeter with the what with Texas Monthly called, they have shown that they are adherents to a philosophy of radical decency. Civilians are letting the men and women who work to keep us safe know that they are appreciated. I looked to my left as I was getting ready to leave and I saw most of the restaurant was standing up and giving us a standing ovation as we were walking out. People have just randomly stopped them, hugged them, thanked them, uh, bought lunches for them. Uh, it's happened quite a bit all over the community. We want the people to know that we appreciate their support. And you know, I, I think one of the thing, one of the good things to come of this is realizing our officers are under attack. Well, Florida Congresswoman Corrine Brown was indicted for fraud. Prosecutors allege that Brown and others took funds from a charity known as One Door for Education, which was supposed to help poor students and instead used the money for personal benefit. Corrine Brown is sort of an example of the worst of American politics. What party is she a part of? What issue does she always talk about? you ever go to a multi-ethnic graduation? The white kids graduate. And our next graduate, John Smith. Our next graduate, Tyrone Washington. Our next graduate, Ramon Robles Jr. <laughs> the poor white guy's like, well, my family didn't even scream.
If you'd been told 20 years ago that there's going to be a convention, and at the convention, the last Democrat standing, the last Democrat to be vanquished, should I say, his supporters are going to show up at the convention while he, while his opponent is speaking, and they're going to have a fart in. Hello, this is Bernie Sanders. It has come to my attention that my supporters have organized a fart in during the Democratic National Convention in my honor. As flattered and disgusted as I am about this, fart ins are nothing new to me due to the fact that at my age, everything gives me gas. If you intend on participating in this event, might I suggest you visit the local Mexican restaurant, which is sure to give you more ammunition than you could possibly want or need. Also, it is said that an apple a day can keep the wife away. The information that I get from the show that I don't seem to get from other places. The Michael Berry Show. Oh, I wish I was in a land of cotton. Old times there are not forgotten. Look away, look away, look away, Dixieland. Singing, fellas. See, when he says sing it, fellas, like that, that's like when I tell you to give it a name. It's the same thing. For Dixieland, where I was born. Early Lord, one frosty morn, look away, look away, look away, Dixieland. Oh, that's good. The phone lines are open. 713-212-5874. Almost bring it to my I told her for next Friday, but that's fine. It's very appropriate. Tamales are as American as a hamburger. I was I will stick to my guns on that. I will absolutely stick to my guns on that. All right. 713-212-5874. Your calls. Bring them on. I got to where I don't buy reading glasses nowhere but the dollar store. They're pretty good. They all look alike, though. <laughs> what color you wear? I'm on a 150 plus. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and you know, we don't have but one 5,000 volt uh, radio station down here, and they go off there at midnight. You can't even hardly hear them. And one newspaper in town, and they've cut back to two days a week. I didn't know that. And the other day I opened that paper, and it was so many people in obituaries. I said, oh my God, it's a pestilence that's coming over this town. It's a wholesale slaughter of the elderly. And Watusa said, no, no, they only put them out once a week now, the obituaries. So it looked like a whole lot of people have been killed, but it's really not that many when you put the mathematics all up into it. But still, that hurt my heart. I can't go to a funeral, though, not with my bladder control issues. <laughs> no, baby. Clayboy thanked me to stay out of there. Ernst used to have some beautiful funeral home. They had Fullers and Noguesa and Sparrows and Curtis Marchier. Now they got on 10th Street, now they got the Colonial Funeral Home, and on the front uh, it say funerals, limousine rentals, and tax preparation. <laughs> now you know that's ignorant. The Orange Tourist Bureau asked me to remind you, when you do visit Orange, be sure and tour Navy Park very slowly with your windows rolled down. Also make a point to ride up and down Joint Street and look at all the historical African-American churches up in there. From Mount Zylem to Holy Salem, what they call it, Starlight? El Bethel. No, El Bethel. El Bethel Baptist. Oh, they got so many churches down there, girl. Do visit Orange, Texas, where our motto is Ignorance Unlimited. And now, back to our native son broadcast. Get ready for some more of the Michael Berry Show. To the phone lines we go. 713-212-5874. Lindsay, you are up, sir. Michael, hey yes. there. Yes. I I have got a, uh, you, you all ran about a month ago about what guys did back in high school for their high school pranks. And I was trying to call in because you, you mentioned during that session, you said, you know, Ramon, we've got a bunch of boomhowers on the line. And I, I, I started laughing because the stories I was going to tell you, I was trying to call in, actually dealt with the real guy that is boomhower. So I've got two fun stories for you if you want to roll with this. Well, let's do one, and if it's real good, we'll go to two. All right. But hold well, on, first of, hold on. Let's see here. We're gonna do a. Uh, we're gonna do a. Uh, you up for decision twenty sixteen? Hello. Am I up? Yeah, we ask you a question and you must respond. You ready? <laughs> Go. It's a uh, decision twenty sixteen. This or that? Oh. Or cat? Skinny. Or fur? It's decision time. Now you must answer and as fast as possible. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Black and white or color? Color. 69 Dodge Charger or 77 Pontiac Firebird? Charger. Drawings or paintings? Paintings. Dresses or skirts? Skirt. What about in women? I'm just kidding. Books or movies? Book. King Kong or Godzilla? King Kong. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Chinese or Italian? Italian. Gone with the Wind or Wizard of Oz? Wizard of Oz. Both came out in 39, by the way. Early Bird or Night Owl? Early Bird. Chocolate or Vanilla? Chocolate. 
Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Hugs or kisses? Who, Ramon, what Hugs. is that? <laughs> no, what's gotten into Ramon? Almond Joy or Mounds? Almond Joy. Give me the commercial. The, uh, oh, so the, for the what it was? Yeah. Sometimes you like. Sometimes you like. Uh, da, 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 da. Sometimes you don't. Almond Joy's got nuts. Mounds don't. That's correct. Hunting or fishing? Fishing. Winter or summer? Winter. Spring or fall? Fall. Snickers or Butterfinger? Butterfinger. Tan or pasty white? Tan. Hispanic or black? Hispanic. All right, here we go. Well done. Well, some of these I don't know where you got. I'm being honest with you. I appreciate you responding to my request for 2016, but... Uh, well, kind of all of them. Black and white or color. I mean, I think chocolate or vanilla. Now, that's not... Yeah, I mean, that's not to the standards we, we, we deserve. It wasn't bad, Ramon. You're the only one that actually responded out of everybody on the team. So I, at least there's that. At least there is that. All right, go ahead, Lindsay. All right, I'm going to tell you the real Boomhauer because yeah. I think that's that's more appropriate. That'll that'll have much longer. Uh, uh, you you'll remember this one. The guy, he's from Dallas. His real name is Gary. I won't give his last name. I'll give that to you offline if you want. But uh, the the we I'm from Dallas. I moved here about uh, thirty. Uh, I'm sorry, about uh, seventeen years ago. Uh, he graduated in 1985. If you go to Wikipedia and you look up King of the Hill, you'll see the cast of characters, but the guy who created Boomhauer and uh, King of the Hill, was a, he was part of that. Uh, we all were friends. Uh, there was a number of others, but Gary and another guy, Kenny, Kenny's the actual guy who worked on the, on the series as an animation artist, um, created Boomhauer, and it was based on Gary. He did walk around with blue jeans and, and white and a white shirt, and he would mumble under his breath all the time. But he was just incredible. He was very, very smart. But he also had a, just an incredibly funny sense of humor. Um, if you go to Wikipedia and you look at it, it, it lists the, all the characters and everything. But the funny thing is, is Kenny was taking shots at Gary all the time. It says he likes. I think. Um, Gary's favorite car was a Camaro. I think a 68 Camaro. And you need to go to a break, don't you? He provides a unique perspective, I think. A Michael Berry show. Michael Berry. Oh, yeah. 1966 certified gold. Artemis Pyle, born on this day in 1948. Linda Ronstadt, 
born on this day in, take a guess from 1945 is close, 1946. Forrest Whitaker, born on this day in 1961. Margarine was patented in France. No, she didn't sing nothing. That's fake butter kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, 1966, on this day, Percy Sledge is when a man loves a woman is certified gold. Hold on, I like this, I like this part here. Oh, go get it. Woo! I know I've told the story a thousand times, it's still a great story. You know, Percy Sledge was raised, his, his family were sharecroppers. And he worked. He was a field hand. He came into town for a fancy job because he got to wear a suit and a hat at the fancy hotel in town. He was a porter. Mm-hmm. No vocal training. Have you ever heard his version of uh, "Wider Shade of Pale"? On this day in 1986, Columbia Records would make a mistake. An artist that had been with them for 28 years was dropped. He still has some more music in him. No, you guess. I'm not going to just give it away. Not Frank Sinatra, but that was a great guess. That's actually a great guess. Johnny Cash. On this day in 1988, the first in a franchise that would have, I've never seen them, I think three, released in theaters. 88. Action film, I believe. Not Lethal Weapon, but it would be in that category. Die Hard it is, Ramon. Well done. There's five? Ooh, that's too many. 2012 K-pop singer Scythe debuted on YouTube some stupid song with a stupid dancing style called Gangnam Style which would become YouTube's most watched video since the day they opened their doors where are they located Ramon? Where is the YouTube? Ray. Yes. How are you, sir? I'm okay, and you? Great, Ray. I'm better now hearing from you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Listen, I'm I'm 80 years old. I don't know if you knew that. No, sir. But I've been through a hell of a lot of stuff in my life. And I'm scared. I see my world be turned totally upside down. But fortunately, I'm probably not going to live long enough to see the real downfall. But I've got two sons that are going to are going to see it. And I don't know what to say. 
You know, I've, I've done what I could do. I'm proud of what I did on my books, uh, bringing them back to life. They were buried. They've been buried for years. And now people can look back at that great 74 people who got together, started in Annapolis, Maryland, and developed that Constitution of the United States, which is the second best document that's ever been created in mankind. The first being the... Um, um, well, I can't even think of it now. <laughs> I'm so upset. Um, uh, uh, the, well, you know, I, I, I can't. I can't even think of it. But anyway, it's the second most important document. Right. You were born in 1936, right? Five. All right. Um, right at the end of the depression. Right. You ever looked at the numbers on how awful that depression was? The privation, the loss of wealth, and I use wealth in the traditionally economic sense, not yeah. billions of dollars per individual. So you were born into the tail end, or you were born into the the Great Depression, right? Uh, essentially, yes. Yeah. Well, and people literally starved to death. Loss of dignity, loss of wealth, loss of uh, pride and the ability to care for your family. Then 10 years, uh, then, then five years into your life, we joined the Great War. It was not the war, it was the war to end all wars or close enough. And it was awful. That term was applied to World War One. But the devastation was World War II. An entire generation was wiped out. Beautiful historic cities were wiped out. The world made it through that. The world has made it through far more awful things than some ragtag sandhead in the Middle East cutting loose and killing an advanced society's people on the streets. We'll get through this. Mr. Michael Berry. The Michael Berry Show. That's an interesting interpretation. I saw an article yesterday in a men's biological journal or men's biology journal. And they were saying some people think it's, it's difficult to live with erectile dysfunction, but it's really not that hard. That's what they said. They, you know, you, you treat it, you know. You just, come back. Wait, I'm not done. Sid. Michael, I just want to call and give you an update. Uh, I'd spoken with you a couple months ago, 
and you had talked. Uh, the topic was people who've impacted your life, an employer or, or a mentor. And I told you about a gentleman that owned some McDonald's. At that point, when I was a kid, like 40 years ago, he owned one. Now he owns nine. It turns out down the Rosenberg area. And uh, so when we went off air, um, I took the, like the last 12 minutes of the afternoon show. Went off air, and you 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 gave me the number of this guy, or this guy was going to call me. And so I followed up back and forth with this gentleman that helped me to find this guy. Initially, I left a message at his, this gentleman's office and my phone number and never heard back from him. So, And I had told you I, every time I'd go down to Rosenberg, i stop at different McDonald's locations to try and find this guy. Well, when I was, was down there on Wednesday, I stopped in at one spot, and the gal says, Hey, you know, if he's ever in, he's at this office over a certain location, told me how to find it. I couldn't find it. I kept looking. I finally found the office. I went in there. He never comes in. Um, but I talked with the young lady that was like his right-hand person and, and gave my phone number and kind of got an update on this guy. And uh, just wanted to say thank you very much. It was it was like a closure thing for me because, as I told her, I was like, I've, I've talked about this gentleman and the impact that he had in my life, teaching me, you know, attention to detail and self-reliance and, and accountability. Uh, for your actions, and I've talked about him so much, and I just wanted to say thank you, and so, you know, how ladies go, oh, or however they do it, and so <laughs> I just wanted to follow up with you and say thank you so much for helping me do that. Well, that's fantastic. You know, I I, um, I often do that because I find it to be a lot of fun to track people down from my childhood. There was a book <clears throat> that I read a few years ago, Don't Roll Your Eyes, Ramon, and it was called uh, Chasing Daylight. It was the guy was the was the managing partner, or maybe he was the CEO. I don't know exactly what their structure is of one of the big six. I guess it's big four now, accounting firms. And I want to say it was Deloitte and Touche, but I could be wrong. And he got a diagnosis of brain cancer. He was going to die in whatever it was, ninety days. And it took him about a day, but he came up with a strategy. He was a strategic thinker. That's what he did. And he made circles, look like a bullseye, circle, not concentric circles, but circles within circles within circles, all the way into the tight area. And he began, as he called it, unwinding his life. And he, um, he started first calling people who had been good to him in his life from, say, his childhood or college. Those are people he hadn't seen in 20 years or more, but he just wanted to take a moment before he died to say, thank you. you. You did something that made a difference in my life. And he said that people would tell him, no, 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 we have to talk again. And he said, no, I'm comfortable with this. This is the only way it can work. I have one call for you, and that's all I, I, I have time for. I have to move to the next one. I got three months. So he just moved closer and closer and closer. And the last two weeks were just his wife and his daughter. And they spend all their time together until they die. And he's writing about it as he goes along. And then his wife has to finish the, the last couple chapters. It's a very powerful book. And I just decided, well, I'll just try to live my life that way so that you can have closure with someone that you're probably never going to see again, but you leave nothing unspoken. And he talked about, he called this diagnosis the gift. Because he talked about how many people... Uh, Either they get so old when they die that uh, there's nobody else around or uh, they don't have the energy to 
contact anyone or to, you know, they can't really close the book. There are people that have been good to you or that you've cared for, you know, what they, they, you admired them. You, they said a kind word. They, you know, loaned you money when you needed it most or helped you get a job or whatever that may be. And he called his diagnosis a gift because he says, I have 90 days to say goodbye to everyone in my life. Most people never get that. My friend Walter Zivley, who passed when he was 83, uh, said, oh, no, it's going to bother me, uh, 1931, maybe it was 84, because I, I guess he died in uh, 15, which, August 5th, so yeah, it was, he was 83, he had not yet turned 84, he would have a few months later. Anyway, so he used to say, I, I used to say to him, Walter do you realize how many people are going to be there at your funeral? And he would say, Michael, he's from Mineral Wells. He was born in Mineral Wells, Texas, and he came in and, uh, when he was five to Houston, but he still talked like he was from Mineral Wells. And he'd say, Michael, by the time I die, ain't nobody that, I, that was my age that I knew will still be alive to come to my funeral. Well, it wasn't true. The, he built a a, a law firm, and he had so many friends, so many people he had mentored that there was barely room in the church. And it was a big church, Bethel Independent Presbyterian Church. Anyway, so this guy considered this, the book is called Chasing Daylight. This guy considered this a gift that he had this opportunity to close out his life, close the book, and be done, go off into the sunset. Chasing Daylight is named for or it is a term apparently golf, golfers use as uh, if you're playing, what do they call that? The sundowner, the suns, the twilight. How'd you know that? Oh, good grief. Um, it's not a movie remote. But anyway, when you go to a golf course, you can pay once it starts getting dark. You get a real cheap rate because you know, their inventory is going away for the day. So they, uh, you rush through to try to get your holes in. And I, that book hit me. It's been, it's been years. And I have tried to make it a habit ever so often to reach back to someone that I go, all right, I'm 45. She'd be 75. And one of them was Miss Hardy. I hadn't talked to Miss Hardy in a very, very long time. And so um, anyway, I don't know why I told you that, but I did. Ramon? Ramon, if black people have the race card... Women have the gender card. What do idiots have? The Trump card. No, the small T. Why would I bring Donald Trump in it? Now, don't be like that. Don't be like that, Ramon. As I suspected, Ramon, someone has been adding soil to my garden. The plot thickens. Get, get it. Why were there five Mexicans in a Ford? Because it was only a fiesta. Why don't cannibals eat divorced women? They're too bitter. It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air.
It's Friday. We don't have to talk about serious stuff unless you, the caller, decide. So keep that in mind. Whatever you want to talk about, we'll talk about. 713-212-5874. Brian, you are on the Michael Berry Show. Go ahead. Good morning, Michael. I uh, I just wanted to uh, talk. Yeah, I guess it's, it, it is serious. Uh, the world's in a serious place. Uh, we got another uh, terrorist attack in a gun-free part of the world. And uh, God bless America because we have few gun-free zones in America. And I uh, uh, always tell people to avoid them because as Americans, we have an obligation to uh, protect ourselves, keep our families safe, as well as uh, protect our country. And God bless the Second Amendment, where we have the right to be armed and uh, train and be confident with those arms and live a life of confidence and security. So uh, as a cop, I can say that that's incredibly important because I learned at a very early part in my career back in the early 80s that uh, there's always going to be victims. We can't get there. We can't save everybody. Uh, you know, I started my company in 1985 so I could train and equip Americans to be American sheepdogs. And and uh, that's the mindset that we as Americans must have, that, uh, yes, we need a government, a very a small government. And that government, yes, will do the best they can to uh, preempt these strikes, but they're not going to get them all. And we as Americans have to understand that it is our responsibility to protect ourselves and our family at that immediate moment. And if you can imagine if that was that truck in Texas, that that terrorist, that driver would, would not have gone a mile zigzagging and, and, and with his running over as many soft targets as he could. He would have been driving through a gauntlet of 9mm, 40, and 45 plowing into his cab. Don't you agree? I do agree. But here's what I would say, Brian. Um, one of the things I've learned over the years, the older I get, and I'm sure that will increase the pace, is that you have to let people be who they are. If you know anything about French culture, um, the concept of personal responsibility, particularly for your security, the, there are a lot of things that are part of the American character the rugged individualism, the personal accountability, the defense of oneself and others around that the French just don't um, enjoy or do not have. And that's how they want it. There's no clamoring in France for the right to bear arms. There's no clamoring for um, concealed carry. There's no clamoring for um, open carry. There's no clamoring for uh, tools to defend oneself. There's just not. The French have a, uh, I don't know if it's a respect, an adoration. Uh, uh, they have a different view of government, and they have the view that government should be the protector and the provider. And we're very different in that way. It is a it is a cultural difference that is striking. They are socially very liberal. 
let the individual do what he wants. Their their sexual mores uh, in public, on TV, in the street, uh, are almost unrestricted. And that works for them because it's their choice. And it is truly a, a national um, characteristic, a national culture. And that's going to be one of the problems with the increase of Muslim migrants into France, Germany, the UK over the coming years. And it already has been. The concept of, of open, expressive sexuality, for instance, and open uh, consumption of alcohol, these concepts drive strict religious adherence of Islam. It drives them crazy. Now, they'll hide behind a door when nobody's looking and do what the Parisians will do times 10. I mean, what did the 9-11 uh, hijackers and terrorists do the night before they had to destroy America because we're too free and open? They went to a strip club, and they got smashed um, and, you know, presumably had boobs put in their face. So th there, there is this great frustration um, that that these people have. But, you know, for, for that matter, I mean, I'm not going to compare us, but you've got um, the RNC just came out with the platform, and it declares pornography a public health crisis. Pornography is a public health crisis. A bit much, no? Well, if it's such a public health crisis, why... Is our nominee a former strip club owner who appeared on the cover of Playboy magazine? It's almost a bipolarity in 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 the mentality. Islam is a very command and control religion, and if you've never met this type of person, they're out there. There's one in your office. There's one in your neighborhood. You're married to one of them, or you are that person. And that is people who enjoy privation. They enjoy scolding. They are a scold. They enjoy taking things away from people. It's the mentality of prohibition. We're going to, we're going to use all of our resources, and we're going to make sure that nobody can drink. And the politicians who are always running scared, particularly of this type, the politicians make a law. Okay, well, we would, we just won't have alcohol, and that'll solve all the problems. We uh, uh, we won't have alcohol. By the way, the suspect in the Nice attack has been identified. Mohammed Lahouj Buhel, or something of the sort. I'm, I'm not going to remember his name, so it's not important that I pronounce it. But the Mohammed, I'm pretty good this way, Ramon. Mohammed's a bit of a tip. I think he might just be. Could it be? Is it? Of course he is. Of course he is. So for a culture that doesn't want guns, they're not... Look, this coming Monday, they're not going to have a national outcry for guns. They're not. They're going to feel bad that somehow they caused these Muslims who they brought in, they thought, if you're just nice to them... Well, look, when that snake comes off that turtle who took him to the other side, or the scorpion, 
uh, and bites the turtle, we all know the answer. You're dealing with a group of people who have been impoverished, who are into this sort of, of, if you want to call it a religion, who busy themselves telling everyone else what they can't do and being violent towards people. I mean, you reap what you sow. The Michael Berry Show continues. Memories and drinks don't mix too well. Jukebox records don't play those wedding bells. Looking at the world through the bottom of a glass. All I see is a man who's fading fast Tonight I need that woman again What I'd give for my baby to just walk in Sit down beside me and say it's all right Take me home and make sweet love to me tonight But here I am again Mixing misery and gin Sitting with all my friends And and talking to myself I look like I'm having a good time But any fool that this honky talk heaven really makes you feel like hell. I a lonely woman's cigarette. If you're on our Twitter talking about what page Michael Berry show SHO, you can play along sometime. I create these little games in my head. And then I work it out, and I have kind of an internal debate. My internal debate is George Jones, Willie Nelson, or Merle Haggard, and which is my favorite. I don't pick a number two. I just that day, which is my favorite. And usually whatever I've last heard, I'll do. But more often than not, it's Merle Haggard. More often than not. Not always, but... Uh, Often is. Oh, by the way, today is the day of the, thank you, Dan Blanchard, for the reminder, of the um, debut, the premiere of uh, um, Hillary's America. But I thought there was something else in Hillary's America. Um, It's kind of a sort of a deeper look into who Hillary is how she became the person she is, such as it is, and kind of the roots of modern progressivism, what they believe, how they work, how they operate. And it, it, it's um, it's pretty interesting stuff. Starts at, I believe, noon is the first showing. This is the first weekend, so there is only one theater that is um, – playing it and it's the marquee that's not edwards marquee what is that uh it's well let me just say it's the marquee that's on 10 just outside the loop 
across from U.S. Coins. It's at that first exit. If you're outbound, it's that first exit. You exit and you're just past it and you curl back in. That's a, uh, not a jug handle. What do they call that? A button hook. Yeah, button hook. That's the route. That's the pass route. So it must be about the same thing. Yeah, anyway, that is uh, today. I'm planning on being there this evening after the show finishes. Um, there's a there's a show that starts somewhere around 5. Dinesh mentioned yesterday it was 4.30, but I, I thought he'd originally said 5. But let's just say it's 4.30. He's going to be at that one. He's going to be at the one that starts, I believe, at 7. And he's going to be speaking to people and signing books, and, and I think he's going to give a discussion. And then after that is over, well, maybe it's – yeah, I think that one starts a little after. 7.20, second one. But when you go on uh, uh, Hillary's America, you'll see the time – or Fandango has it. Just look for Hillary. Then there's an evening, a, a, a later evening showing, which I think starts at about 7. Whenever that's finished, completed, done, finito, Dinesh will speak, and then he will head over to the Redneck Country Club, and you are welcome to join. You're welcome to be there. Uh, by the way, our good friend Mattress Mac sponsored the show tonight, and it is uh, supposed to be, if not the best, one of the best Elvis tributes um, around. I think he came in. Craig Parker, I think he's. I think he performs in Vegas. I have not seen him, but Mattress Mac uh, sponsored that event because he thought it would be cool. And I don't know if he has any tickets left, but if you're on uh, I-45 between Tidwell and Parker, you can – stopped by, and he sponsored uh, the show. I think he had 500 tickets. I should ask him if he has any left, then you can pop in and go in and ask for uh, two free tickets, and they uh, they will give them to you. No purchase required, obviously. Let's see here. Frank, you're on the Michael Berry Show. Yes, sir. Uh, just wanted to share a wonderful time we had standing in front of Percy's leg. Hold on. Ramon's got you potted down so low I can barely hear you. Okay. Yeah, oh, that's much better. All right. I just wanted to share with you uh, a wonderful experience. Uh, my uh, sweetheart of 40 years and I just happened to run across Percy Sledge in downtown Beaumont about 10 years ago. And we saw his name on the went in and his standing room only. We got right in front of Percy and him and his wife, and they worked their tails off they sounded good and they didn't let up for anything it was, it was a wonderful experience and you know i think uh his uh initial upbringing of a hard work you know working in the fields and stuff that just he's still probably alive and doing well last time we had a discussion about percy sledge which might have been three to six months ago i looked and he was still alive I don't know if he's performing, but you know what I'm going to do? I am going to try to track him down because if there is a breath in his body, no, he died. that's right, he died last year, April 14th. Oh, man, what a loss. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, so he lived in Muscle Shoals. That's why they recorded him. They they, they recorded him at the famous studio there in, in Muscle Shoals, and he was only discovered because that guy, have you ever seen the the documentary Muscle Shoals? Mm-mm. No. Oh my goodness! It, it, you have got to go watch it. It's uh, it tells the whole story about how that studio came about, and it's a white country bumpkin, t- slow talking, tractor driving, 
<laughs> farmer, and he talked like that, and he is as influential as anyone. I mean, he, he is the white Barry Gordy, except the mm-hmm. artist uh, on his roster, that most of whom he discovered uh, at various points in their career and then took their music to the next level, and three-quarters of them were black. Now, he also yeah. did a lot of work with the Rolling Stones and Shenandoah, and there are a number of, of white artists. But mm-hmm. this guy just had a knack for a sound that would be successful. And it's mm-hmm. not it's not, it's not not bubblegum pop. It's, uh, it's, it's all very unique music in, in whatever genre, but you don't feel like it's sellout music. You don't yeah. feel like it's a crap they're generating out of Nashville where they're yeah. writing songs about, you know, cut off blue jeans and going down to the river and being yeah. with your girl in your truck and drinking a beer, and you're from Brooklyn. And well, Fats just... Domino was a lot like Percy. I took uh, my sweetheart to see him probably oh. 25 years ago, and I put her right beside the piano where he she could look at him from the side, and he performed there in Beaumont on East uh, – on the Lumberton Split Road. Uh-huh. What was the, what was the venue? Uh, I can't remember it now. It's a big. It's used as a big church, but uh, they were in business for a pretty good while. And they had some really good uh, entertainers there. But she got to sit, and she loved everything fifty. And she's just a real throwback, and I am too. But she sat there and and she really enjoyed uh, when you. <laughs> You you gave us a uh, little free membership the other day to Cliff of and uh, she's a French lady now. She'll she'll dance. So you have to hold her hand and let her dance so she wears out. <laughs> I love it, and I know you love her. I got an argument with a buddy of mine the other day over Fats Domino versus BB King, and you might imagine who I picked. The Michael Berry Show. Daniel, you're on the Michael Berry Show. Daniel? Daniel? Daniel, son? Hmm. Caller, if you can hear me, maybe we got the cells wrong. Just say hello, and you'll know it's me. 
No. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Good grief, Glenda, you are on the Michael Berry show. Hi, Michael. Hello. I read you a poem last week that oh, I had written. Oh yes. Do you know that your daughter reached out to me? Oh dear. Or maybe I reached out to her and she responded, but she she's a neat lady. I'll tell you that. Let me just say that she's a very neat lady. And she I agree. said that she um she went back and listened to you on our show and she just bawled and bawled and um it made her so proud. Oh, that makes me feel so good. She seems like a sweet lady. She uh she sent me I guess it must have been her Facebook page. But it was all these pictures of her and her kids. I don't know how many she's got. She's but, got four. Yeah, she looked overwhelmed in every picture. <laughs> <laughs> That's understandable. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I have written her another poem. Oh, my goodness. Let's hear it. It's Shall called we? The Soldier and the Nurse. Okay, hold on. Soldier. All right. And now, just to remind people, this is the young lady who is off to Afghanistan, if I remember I can't say where she is. Oh, okay. All right. She's off to somewhere that um, might or might not be the place just <laughs> mentioned. And she, but she's a nurse. She's the the head of nursing, or what? What is her deal now? Uh, she's a major in the U.S. Air Force, uh-huh. and she's an RN. And then back here uh, in Texas, she's uh, the, the director of a birthing center at a major hospital. But okay. I can't say the name of the hospital. I don't mind. <laughs> and she's how old? Uh, she is, let's see, I'm six, she's 47. Oh, okay, almost my exact same age. All right, and she's being posted to a, a horrible, awful place, and that happens pretty soon. It, she's already over. Oh, okay, wow, okay, I didn't know it was that soon. Okay, and so you had written her a poem uh-huh. about how proud of you, her you are. Right. And this is the second in the series. Right. Maybe we'll just make this a, a regular Sunday thing. Oh, I mean, fr- sounds- Sunday, we're on Friday, never mind. <laughs> Good. I thought I was confused again. No, no. (laughs) Go ahead, my dear. All right. The soldier and the nurse. She sits by his side, gently holding his hand, the hot sun beating down on the desert sand. In a muffled voice, he asks her to stay, and she promises him nothing will take her away. As his breathing gets slower, his body is weak. He smiles as a tear rolls down his cheek. A little tighter, he holds her hand, and he knows the end is near. The nurse wipes his brow and softly says, Soldier, there's nothing to fear. His raspy voice says, I have no regrets. I fought for my country with love and respect, and I just wish I could have done more. As he closes his eyes, the nurse whispers a prayer, the soldier now free from pain and despair. Her work is not done because more need her care. Please, nurse, do you have a little time to spare? She manages a smile and sits by his side, vowing no soldier's wish will be denied. She looks in his eyes and puts a smile on her, on her face, praying, please, Lord, let this warrior live so he can return home to his rightful place. The end. <laughs> I, got, I, was, I was letting it hang in the air. For I knew it was the end. Well... I hope she comes home soon because I know I, you and those babies are very, very happy or very uh, eager 
to get her back in her rightful place as well. Of course we are. All right, my dear. Call us next Friday. I certainly will. Thank you, Michael. You got it. We'll talk to uh, Ted Nugent in about 45 minutes. Ted Nugent with us in about 45 minutes. Daniel. Hello. Yeah, what was going on with, with you on that last thing? My Bluetooth wouldn't. Uh, it was a Bluetooth. I blame it on Bluetooth. Well, I just bought a new Bluetooth a couple of days ago, and I had to have little Chris Hogan set it up for me because I couldn't make it work. And then he got it all set up, and everything was working the first day. And now I call people, and they're sitting there. They think I've, you know, I'm in the back of a trunk, and somebody has me taken hostage, and I've called them for help or something, and I just can't get the <laughs> Bluetooth to sync. But anyway, I got 45 That's seconds awesome. for you. Go. I want to thank you for the caller, that the 80-year-old gentleman that called in, uh, for helping him feel a little ease in his mind about the situation we're having in the United States. Uh, we have had some bad times, but we've gone through them, and this is another test in time, and I do believe God will bless us with a happier four to eight years. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know about all that, but I, I do know that um, being nice to old people has its own rewards. I've always... I've always liked old people. I find them to be very charming, and I know I'll be there myself. It doesn't ensure somebody will come visit with me and listen to my stupid stories, but I just figure it may. It may, it may, it may uh, help the cause. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard Ray's calls to the show or not, but Ray uh, Ray wrote a book. Well, he rewrote a book, but it's it is a significant effort. You don't know. You might know somebody that wrote a book, but I bet you don't know anybody that rewrote a book. The Michael Berry Show. The Michael Berry Show. What was the most powerful audio you heard this week on this show? George Bush's speech? Probably so. I, I will tell you, that was powerful because of the subject matter and because of the imagery of former president, and that's now his his town, always been his town, but you know, now that's now he lives there and but I don't know that I have heard 
audio as compelling in terms of less sort of meaningful, but just <clears throat> hits you in the gut, leaves you spellbound, than the three guys hanging out on Facebook Live and bullets ring out. You don't hear them say, who is that guy over there? Why is he? What, whoa, they're about to shoot us. They're just talking. Chilling. When bullets ring out. And not a word. I don't think a word is said after the bullets ring out for a while. I think they're in complete shock. So this Monday morning, when you hear us say, he heard shots and felt pain, I think this is what it sounds like. What a brown time in my young I didn't get to play this comment by Britt Hume that was made earlier in the week, but he is on a roll. The president has a problem in the sense that he, to him, I think, racism in America has a white face, never a black face. That's why you heard him say in the aftermath of the hideous murders of the policeman in Dallas that we might never be able to untangle the motives of the shooter. The shooter's motives were perfectly clear. Mm -hmm. He said them in his conversations with the police that he wanted to kill police and he wanted to kill white people. Um, I'm not saying the president would deny that that's what he said, but the president's reaction to it suggests that, that he glosses over these sorts of things. The same way, Megan, that when it comes to the hideous violence against blacks, black-on-black -black violence in cities like Chicago and Baltimore and others, the president has been virtually silent on that, on that issue, though far more black lives are lost in that way than are ever lost to incidents involving police shooting. Talk about powerful audio that we played this week on the air. Um, you talk about a uh, whoosh of hot air. We have to figure out, all right, what do we do from here? And you're right. We've got to get some jobs. That's too much serious stuff for the show. Just to lighten the mood. By the way, 713-212-5874. Hi, Michael. It's Tom again. Um, I know you're going to do the right thing come November, but I just want to say that I observed a whole lot of silence after what happened in France, and they were our first ally. They gave us the Statue of Liberty, man, and they helped us kick the British's butts, um, and now they need our support. And I've always loved France. I, I love croissants and frog legs and pastries and wine. And, and so my prayers are with the good people of France. And my boots are entirely in the ass of ISIS. We need to kill those monsters that did this. Okay, that's enough of tugging on heartstrings. 
Um, some other issues. Um, the rumor is, and it's pretty secure because I have some inside sources that tell me this, but the VP is going to be Hunter Pence, the governor of Indiana. And trust me on this one, please. I need the trust. Um, okay, that's enough political. Hey, Michael, I don't know if you saw, but on the ESPN the other day, um, they had these two guys that were doing the Black Lives Matter, and I call it Black Lives because hands up, don't shoot is a bunch of malarkey. And anyway, the ESPN award is not the time nor the place um, for that type of nonsense. And unrelated, but I do love Craig Sager because he reminds me of that guy with the question marks all over his jacket, Matthew Lesko. Remember, he'd get on the screen and he'd yell like, I'll get you grants and free money and all that, and that was awesome. But he's like Craig Sager basically because – um, they're both like Mr. Green Jeans because you can tell who they are by their clothes. Um, I also like Carlton Sheets back then, man. He was like a philosopher with a ton of charisma. Plus, he made millions of people millionaires by selling them land. And um, Man, I wish I had done that. Can you imagine me a millionaire? My favorite thing that I would do is rent a big Greyhound bus and drive around Houston picking up hobos and then like drive around for like five hours until they were super starving to death. Um, but, I mean, they're sitting in the A.C. of my bus, so it's way better than the heat, so they're not going to complain. But, anyway, they get real hungry. And I walk up to a counter at, like, a Luby's and just unload 100 starving hobos and watch them feast like crazy. Like, Luby's gets the money, the hobos get full, and I get a cackle watching them eat like they ain't ever seen a meal. That's a win, 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 win in my book. Um, for real, though, I would give away, like, almost all my money. I'd be like that Red Hot Jalpeno Pepper song, yo, give away, give away, give away, give away now. I got to give it to your mama papa man that was a good tune man I, I wish it was still the 90s man there was so much awesome stuff back then did you ever watch saved by the bell man that's a panga chick had a weird name but she was super hot man smoking i mean i mean when she was just a teenager back then so she wasn't like hot but but i was a teenager too so since we were both teenagers like back then i thought she was hot but now i'm older and i don't even know what the real rule is if i can say that she was hot because it was on TV, but at any rate, um, if it's legal, then she was hot, and if it's illegal, then she was a nice young lady. Uh, also, you remember Home Alone in the 90s, um, where that Malakali Calkin kid um, got a second when he got abandoned in New York, and I mean, seriously, Parents of the Year Award totally revoked, but about 41 minutes into that movie, guess who made a special cameo? Donald J. Trump! He had some chops, man. That dude can act, too. If he wasn't a real estate mogul, he could have been a movie star, and that would have been awesome. Um, there's basically nothing he can't do, so do the right thing, Michael. Pull the trigger for Don J. Trump and tell all your audience to do the same thing, and I'll take your thoughts off air. Have a blessed day. Hello. It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. Some mouth breather named Dennis Orts posted on my Facebook page where the Facebook post was that looks like Trump has chosen Mike Pence. I really haven't found anybody that has complained about that. Most most people of all walks of life have been pretty happy with it. Um, the Trumpkins didn't know who he was, but uh, conservatives seem to have thought it was a good idea. So I posted that. Goober named 
Dennis Ortz said, as previously stated before, what does it matter to you, Michael Berry? You are a Trump hater, and you are not a party supporter. You're Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. English is hard, but good thing is Donald Trump loves the poorly educated. Your guy lost. Get it over it. Move on. Michael Berry, if you do not publicly on your Facebook page or anywhere else acknowledge that you are going to vote for the nominee Michael J. Donald J. Trump and support your party, and then you are a traitor. T-R-A-D-E-R. Ramon, do you have something you would like to trade with me? Because I am a traitor. Some pelts. You found some pelts in uh, Revention or whatever it was. I know, I know, you think some of this animosity is funny, haha, and you laugh about it on your show. Well, there are some in this country that are suffering because of the current administration. And if you are not going to support the Republican Party, then you're supporting uh, the Democratic Party, and your audience should turn you off. And then another one comes on and says, You are evil! <laughs> You go ahead on, Dennis Ortz. You go ahead on. You going to fix your problem. You got it all figured out. Donald Trump's going to solve all your problems. It's going to be good. It's going to be really good. And if you do not support for Donald Trump, you're for Hillary because I've already counted your vote as Republican, and now you're taking it away. So that by taking it away, you're giving it to Hillary. But, sir, you don't you don't understand. Um you don't understand. You don't own my vote. You see? So if I was dead or for whatever reason not alive or incapacitated, there I am sitting in my wheelchair just about to crow. And you are saying, you're voting for Hillary. No, no, I'm just laying here trying to die, actually. You vote for Hillary because you're not voting for Trump. Wow. Okay. So do you say that to a black activist? Do you say that to a union worker? No, actually, you don't, because you have no reason to believe you own their vote. Well, guess what, Bubba? You got no reason to believe you own mine. And guess what? If you had an ounce of respect for other people, instead of being an inbred retard and thinking you can tell other people how they vote or should vote or must vote, then you would know you don't own my vote, and I don't own yours. You go vote for whoever you want. I'm not angry. You're going to vote for Trump. I'm not angry with you for that. I will laugh at you because your reasoning for voting for Trump is, he's rich, Michael. He's rich. All right. Well, why is the Republican National Convention begging Sheldon Adelson for $6 million because they can't cover the convention? He can write a check, Michael. He's worth $10 billion. Oh. Okay, well, stroke a check. You're not supporting him. I don't need to. Just stop giving me fake reasons. Stop telling me that because Bill Clinton is a whoremonger and a sexual assaulter, that that's why you're not voting for Hillary and are voting for Trump. You can't spell your name. They're voting. You're voting for Trump. You can vote for Trump for any reason, but you can't vote for Trump because he has a mohawk or a bald head, or he's nine feet tall, because those things are not true. You can't vote for Trump on the basis of Clinton being a whoremonger when Trump's a whoremonger ten times worse. There's proof of it. So look, 
I'm not telling anybody, never have, never will, don't vote for Trump. I comment on things. Some of you don't get that. And I don't love the poorly educated. Let's not confuse that. I don't love mouth-breathing, inbred goofballs that walk around saying things that are counterproductive to making America better. We might agree there's too many illegal aliens, but if you're standing out in the street, Mexicans, Mexicans, you dirty, you make my food, you clean my baby and wash my uh, clothes, and you cut my grass, Mexican, or go home. That's not convincing anyone else. Politics is the art of persuasion, okay? And if you're threatening me that I will vote for your lifelong Democrat, Hillary supporting, Anthony Weiner supporting, uh, Nancy Pelosi supporting, megalomaniacal, narcissistic, lying candidate, I'm not going to do it. And I got news. You're a loser. And you will lose again. You will lose because you can't actually persuade anybody to vote for your candidate because you don't know how. It requires some brains to persuade someone to do something they don't want to do, which just happens to be what you want them to do. But see, you don't learn that. Because just like animals, you learn that if something isn't going your way, to get angry. You learn to insult what skin color your kids are, where your wife is from, you name it. You learn to insult other people because you're not smart enough to persuade. It takes pure intellectual savvy to be able to get someone to do that which they don't want to do without bashing them over the head. You think the Muslims are wooing people with a brain to their way? No. They use the same tactic as Dennis Ortz. They threaten you. They threaten you, uh, and they hope that under fear of violence, you'll come over to their way, which means that the only people they ever win over, they win the hearts and minds of those who want a reason to be able to go out and kill other people. That's that's what they do. And so if you think you are helping your candidate win by insulting other people, and I got news for you jackasses. I've been around a campaign or two. I've had a lot of Trumpkins engage me and start insulting me, and I better support Trump. I have one week to support Trump. And I'll say, all right, all right, when's the convention? Oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to outsmart me, Mr. Lawyer Man. Okay. Um, when does early voting start? Oh, no, 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 not that. Because guess what? Most many of you Trumpkins have never voted before. You've never voted in a Republican primary. All you know is what you hate. You don't even know what you stand for. Greatness? Is that, is that, you want great? What does great look like? I don't know. If we write a law for great, what, I don't know, but you want great because you've never been great. You've never known great. You'd like to think you're great. That's why you think you're better than other people because you want to be something when you're not. And that's a fact. But I've been around for a campaign or two, and there will be a lot of votes that will change parties and go from not voting to voting. But you're not going to help them get there. Just relax. we got a while before the election. 
More Michael Berry Show coming up. Well, now they tell me that the streets of heaven are paid with diamonds and gold. Well, I mean, I'll get there if I do. I believe I take off my shoes. I'm gonna walk around heaven. I'm gonna walk around heaven. Barefooted, singing God's praise. I'm gonna walk around heaven. I'm gonna walk around heaven. There was a fella yesterday that called. Some of you will remember, and I think it was the evening show yesterday. And he's from Missouri, and he told that Missouri is better than um, <laughs> Missouri is better than Texas. I think that kind of messed him up. But what's funny is they'll tell me, you know, you got a live one on the line here, and, and that's usually somebody that wants to call up and tell me how much they hate me and. <laughs> And he, he he couldn't decide whether he wanted to do that or not. He started with, he used to really like me. But now he doesn't like me. Oh, Tomball. He listened to Tomball. And somewhere in the middle, I think some people, I think a lot of fellas have learned this woman trick. If you're losing the argument, you just start crying. You find something that you just love. I love, I love my dog. My dog is dead and I'm mad at you, Michael. <laughs> You kind of go, all right, you win, you win, because I, I don't want to argue with the dude that's crying. I'm not, not going to do that. So he got all choked up over, I can't remember what, but it wasn't didn't rise to the level of needing to be choked up over it. <laughs> and somewhere in the middle, I guess he wanted to get a dig, another dig in. He's, uh, you're, you're, I like whiskey, Michael, and I love whiskey. And I, and I drink whatever it was, you know, gutter hooch. I drink gutter hooch, and it's better than your moonshine. And what happened was he's all, what these guys do is they're driving around. It's hot outside. They got that sweat going down your, your, your bunghole and all that, and you're just feeling miserable, and you got fat, and so it kind of bows in. And we've all been there, and you're in a bad mood, and no no AC in your truck, smoking cigarettes in the heat of the day, which ain't helping, and you just all wound up. And somewhere in the middle, he started poor-mouthing. Because I think I think he hated me, but then as he got on the phone, he realized he really used to love me. Couldn't make up what minds what he was going to do, and all this. And, and then he started poor mouthing. He was so poor they didn't even have an outhouse. He was so poor you couldn't even pee in the woods. He was so poor. I don't know. It just it just like he was the poorest of all poor, and it was awful. And I don't know how that had anything to do with the show. Um. You know, like I was born rich. I I don't know, and I didn't really care. But then I got home, and I got to thinking, Dad Gummit, that's like that scene in Sling Blade. I lived out back of my mother and father's place most of my life in a little old shed that my daddy built for me. They didn't too much want me up there in the house with the rest of them. So mostly I just sat around out there in the shed looking at the ground. I didn't have no floor out there, but I had me a hole dug out to lay down in, a quilt or two to put down there. Mm-hmm. 
My father was a hard-working man most of his life. Not that I can say the same for myself. I mostly just sat around out there in the shed, tinkered around with a lawnmower or two. Went to school off and on from time to time. But the children out there, they were very cruel to me and made quite a bit of sport of me. Made fun of me quite a bit. So mostly, I just sat around out there in the shed. My daddy worked down there at the sawmill, down at the planer mill, for an old man named Dixon. But old man Dixon was a very cruel feller. Didn't treat his employees very well, didn't pay them too much of a wage, didn't pay my daddy too much of a wage. Just barely enough to get by on, I reckon. But I reckon he got by all right. They used to come out, one or the other of them, Usually my mother feed me pretty regular. Mm -hmm. So I know he made enough to where I could have mustard and biscuit three or four times a week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, old man Dixon, he had a boy. Mm -hmm. His name was Jesse Dixon. Jesse was really more cruel than his daddy was. He used to make quite a bit of sport of me. When I was down there at the schoolhouse. Used to take advantage of the little girls there in the neighborhood and all. They used to say that my mother was a very pretty woman. They said that quite a bit from time to time when I'd be down there at the schoolhouse. Well, I reckon you want me to get on with it and tell you what happened, I reckon I'll tell you. I was sitting out there in the shed one evening, not doing too much of nothing, just kind of staring at the wall and waiting on my mother to come out and give me my Bible lesson, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I hear the commotion up there in the house, and so I run up on the screened-in porch to see what is going on. I looked in the window there, and I seen my mother laying on the floor that ain't clothes on, hmm. I seen Jesse Dixon laying on top of her. He was having his way with her. Well, I just seen red. I picked up a Kaiser blade that was sitting there by the screen door. Some folks called it a sling blade. I call it a Kaiser blade. Just kind of a long wood handle, kind of like an axe handle. With a long blade on it, shaped kind of like a banana. Mm-hmm. Sharp on one edge and dull on the other. It's what the highway boys used to cut down weeds and whatnot. You know. Well, I went in there in the house, and I hit Jesse Dixon upside the head with it, knocked him off my mother. I reckon that didn't quite satisfy me. So I hit him again with it in the neck with a sharp edge and just plumb near cut his head off. Killed him. My mother, she jumped up in there and started hollering, what'd you kill Jesse for? What'd you kill Jesse for? Well, come to find out, I don't reckon my mother minded what Jesse was doing to her. 
I reckon that made me madder than what Jesse'd made me. So I take him the Kaiser blade. Some folks called it a slang blade. I call it a Kaiser blade. And I hit my mother upside the head with it. Killed her. <sighs> I guess at some point we'll have to play that scene next to the call from the feller yesterday. But, okay, yeah, go ahead. All right. Man, I listen to you every day. I love you. Oh, sometimes I think you might be kind of like one of them bullies, you know, like like you make fun of people that are, like, you know. Slow. My, when I was in school and I got picked on by guys that thought they was a little bit better than you, you know, because I was, I was, I grew up poor. All right, I grew up poor, but I'm gonna be honest with you, dude. I'm gonna just don't and don't take this wrong, okay? I am a I am a whiskey connoisseur. My grandfather made moonshine and ran moonshine, and and I've had all the different brands. And I'm sorry, man, but I, yours is not my favorite. I'm gonna be honest with you. All right, don't take that badly, but I, I'm a I know good whiskey. Well. I have no reason to doubt the man. All right, Ted Nugent will be our guest coming up. His new tour is on the road. It's called the 2016 Sonic Baptism Tour. Always good to catch up drinking water from a fire hydrant. Michael Berry Show. The Michael Berry Show. I mean, let's just face it, the man's funny. Seems like about that time in the program where we should have the Nuge on. Ted, how are you, buddy? I'm doing so good it's stupid. How are you doing, Michael? <laughs> you know, you of everybody I interview, you are my favorite person for that first line. Usually you're starting your, your energetic monologue before I can say, how are you doing? Are you are you uh, are you witnessing a bit of enthusiasm? Remember uh, with Al Capone with his Louisville Slugger walking around the uh, business meeting at the big table, and he said, "Enthusiasms, a man has to have enthusiasms." And of course, he crushed the opponent's skull with a well-swung Louisville Slugger. I look at life, Michael, especially when I'm on with you on your radio show, as a Louisville Slugger slugfest. I'm not going to get cracked over the head, am I? No, no. Okay. Well, actually. If you come and witness my band, which are, my band is so good, it's stupid. Um, we we are out of body every night. 2016, I'm an old man. I'm telling you, if the 25-year-old Ted Nugent showed up tonight, I would kick his ass up one side and down the other. This is so much fun. I almost sense a hint of guilt, but I, I reject it. You seem very excited about the music right now. Every time we talk, the music is sort of, yeah, that's great, that's what I do, but here I want to talk about hunting, or here I want to... You seem passionate about the music right now. Is that is that something that comes and goes and it kind of keeps you refreshed? No, not really. I think passion describes my entire being. Uh, I really know how the American dream got here. Last night and tonight, every night, Michael, and every day. I'm not, I'm, I'm not kidding. When I say every day, I mean every day. I communicate with the heroes of the military, and they're real open with me. It's, it's like a... 
a spiritual campfire everywhere I go, and there's no inhibitions. It's totally unleashed honesty, raw and primal. And I know how the American dream got here, so every day when I get up, I don't just carpe diem, man. I throttle the diem. I, I live my life to the fullest. And it, it, when you're surrounded by the quality of humanity that I am, my crew, my crew is the best crew in the world. All the greatest artists in the world wait in line to use the Ted Nugent crew when hunting season starts <laughs> because they're, they're off duty during the hunting season. And my band, Greg Smith on bass guitar and Jason Hartless from Detroit, a 20-year-old, 21-year-old animal from Detroit. My, the music every night is like my first day in the garage with a loud amplifier when I was like nine years old. So it really is about passion, and this time of year it is the rock and roll season. And this tour, it just defies gravity. Last night in San Antonio, it, I, I wish you could just interview people, you know, flooding out of these places after the concert. On my Facebook, we have like 10 million Facebookers right now. These people are saying, I've been to 130 of your shows. That was the most outrageous show I've ever seen in my life. And that's I felt that throughout the night. So the passion is palpable. It's because I'm living my dream. Uh, I, I, I put my heart and soul into every day, and so does my band and my crew and my family and everybody I know. So the positive energy is just uh, palpable. How do you find a guy who's 21 years old? Obviously, you love Detroit. It's your history. You've done a lot for it in the last few years, raising money for with Mitch Album and things like that. How do you? How does a guy that's 21 years old come to your attention? Everybody wants to play my songs. <laughs> Everybody wants to play And that's the problem. Vocals. So if you've got 2,000 people trying to be your drummer, how do you how do you decide which guy's going to be it? Well, that cream do surface to the top, Michael. It's like, why do you have a radio show? Because you kick ass. <laughs> my, these guys, Tommy Clefettos came to me and he was only 19 back in 95 when I did my Spirit of the Wild record. And word was that Tommy Clefettos had played with Mitch Ryder, which is the, the, the James Brown level of, of vetting a musician. And so I heard about Tommy, and so he came and jammed on a couple of songs and just, just had that Motor City fire, just a, a soulful James Brown meets the Funk Brothers, Little Richard outrage. So Tommy Clefettos now, after he toured with me, he is now the highest-paid, most sought-after drummer in the world. Wow. He's paid huge money with Rob Zombie and, and, and Ozzy and Black Sabbath and does studio work. And now this Jason Hartless, 21 years old, they just end up in my lap because the word gets out. You know who is the best, and they love. Who doesn't want to play free-for-all? What musician could possibly go through life and not do everything in his power to play Hey Baby or Motor City Madhouse. So I'm a lucky, lucky man that they come to my uh, I don't think camp. it's luck, but yes, you, you, you are a blessed man. Let me ask you a question. Ted Nugent is our guest. The Sonic Baptism Tour on the road and heading your way. Um, when you... When you create your set list, I don't know how many songs are on your set list, but one of the things a lot of fans get frustrated with is an artist like you has a number of hits uh, across a number of years. and But an artist's frustration is, man, I've played that song time after time after time. How do you set the set list with stuff that they may not be ready for or yearning for, but you're keen to play right now because it's new or because it's different? Well, I, I know that people pay out hard-earned money to come to the concert, and we want to give them maximum throttle. We want them to leave 
completely drained of energy loving the, the, the grooves and the songs. And the, I can't imagine doing a concert without playing Free For All. I love that song. When I, I can't imagine doing a concert without doing Hey Baby or Fred Bear or Stranglehold or Great White Buffalo or Cat Scratch Fever. Are you kidding me? I mean, my guitar fingers go there. I, I, I can't stop my fingers from going there. And I know that satisfies and enthuses the audiences, and I have that professional commitment. But we also go into just outrageous jams during Wang Dang, Sweet Poon Tang. We go where, you know, John Coltrane couldn't imagine musically. We just go into outrageous adventure, and we consider ourselves Lewis and Clark of Rhythm and Blues, and, of course, I would be Sacagawea. Uh, but we, it's just out of body, it's stream of consciousness. You don't really contemplate. You go, hey, these are the 12 songs I want to play tonight, and we play them. And we have so many... There is a little bit of frustration because, uh, for example, last night we did not play Dog Eat Dog, and I really want to play that song. And there's so many songs. We'd be up there for like 12 days if I played all my favorite songs. So we just let her rip. And I think based on just the Facebook feedback, um, people love the songs that I love, so we're in good shape. I think that's fair to say. I think. Uh, can you stay with me one more segment? My pleasure, Michael. Uh, I don't do this often, but I want to call you out for a lie. Let her rip. You claim you are 67 years old, and I do not believe it. More with Ted <laughs> Nugent coming up next. That's Ted Nugent, Ramon, on our little program. Ted Nugent. Would you fight him if given the chance? Even if you lost, you would have done something. The czar of talk radio. Michael Berry. The Michael Berry Show. Ted Nugent is our guest. Hey, baby, from 1975. In my youth, how adorable, huh? Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. In your in your youth, so adorable, with your life ahead of you, and now older, wiser, and able to whip 1975's Ted Nugent. Your claim, not mine. Uh, what would Ted Nugent in 2016 tell that Ted Nugent in 75 when you were about to turn 27 years old? Stay on course. Clean and sober is the only way. Continue to celebrate and emulate and aspire to the the soulfulness and authority of your black heroes, the Chuck Berries, the Bo Diddleys, the James Brown, the Wilson Pickett's, the Sam and Dave's. Stay true to your Motor City roots and don't compromise as much as you are inclined to compromise, particularly when it comes to delivering your musical vision. I did end up compromising, trying to be inclusive and tolerant. Boy, what a self-inflicted curse that's turned out to be uh, for the world. Uh, and, and, and don't compromise what you know in your heart and soul is what you need to say musically and politically and humankind-wise. So I, I swayed a little bit trying to be inclusive and, 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 and accommodate other people's ideas when I wasn't really excited by their ideas and if you're not excited by musical ideas you should dismiss it 
Was that the damn Yankees phase? Or no, no, not at all. Boy, the damn Yankees was just the opposite. I, it was something I always wanted to do because I know Tommy Shaw was such a soulful guy. I mean, he's like Wilson Pickett in a little Caucasian package. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a pretty interesting. Well, you, you, you talked about uh, black artists and how they influenced you. Ted Nugent is our guest. He will be at Warehouse Live tonight, by the way, folks. It's the Sonic Baptism Tour, and Ted Nugent will be there live tonight. Um Hey, hey, Bo Diddley, Johnny B. Good, obviously a tribute to the likes of people who greatly influenced you, to the greats, a nod to the greats. And we play those songs every night, by the way. Why choose those two? Well, Bo Diddley, that groove, I think Billy Gibbons said it best when we uh, paid tribute to the great Bo Diddley, that an infant shortly after conception <laughs> in the womb, if the Bo Diddley groove was visible or, or uh, audible nearby, that that fetus would throb. I mean, that is the sensual, spiritual, tribal rhythm of life. And when you first pick up the guitar, even if you hadn't heard Bo Diddley, you will play that pattern. Even if you don't know how to form a chord, you'll beat the strings with that you will do that. And so it motivated your pulsations. You motivated your 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 human sexual grind. And, of course, all good music should inspire human sexual grind. Uh, and, and you just have to remind people, because now with the digital age, and, Michael, my heart's broken. I watch these music award programs, and I'm going, really? So every award-winning song qualifies for a Saturday morning child's cartoon soundtrack? <laughs> really? <laughs> and so I like to get back to the primal grunt, the grind, the authority of those founding fathers, those black heroes. Everybody is moved by what Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters and Bo and Chuck and Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis, everybody is motivated by that. And if you find a hit record especially the really quality ones. I'm not a big Justin Timberlake fan music-wise, but I am soulful-wise. And there's soul that's all derivative of those original black creators of the defiance of demanding freedom and then the emancipation proclamation and Les Paul electrified the guitar, and I give you soulful rock and roll. Do you ever duck walk on stage? I, I have, even with my new knees, because because I perform um, heretofore Herculean feats of physical defiance on stage. <laughs> I, I, I'm able to do the Chuck Berry boogie up there, even though I have fake knees. <laughs> if I track down your high school English teacher, would she be surprised at your command of great English? I don't know, because I kind of slid through the whole high school thing. I already had the Amboy Dukes and in, 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 in uh, in junior high, I had the Lourdes. We won the Battle of the Bands in 1962. Uh, so I've always been possessed by the music. But my dad disciplined me. Boy, remember remember when parenting included Ooh. discipline? And I had to do my homework, and I had to get good grades, or I'd be punished. Um, so I, I, I suspect they would be. I think if you met Father Gil Gallon, the Dean of Discipline at St. Vitus All Boys Catholic Academy in Arlington Heights, I think I think Father Gil Gallon would have some interesting Ted Nugent observations. I'm going to ask you two questions that are unrelated to music, because you are a Renaissance man. You've been named best host on Outdoor Channel 
for the ninth time. Your hunts are legendary. What's the greatest kill you've had over the last year? The greatest kill slash hunt I've had was when I take uh, terminally ill children at the request of their families on their last wish in life. And for for them to choose me, and I'm talking seven, six, seven, eight-year-old kids, Michael, and that they would honor me at that traumatic and spiritual time in their life, and that that child would actually request to go hunting with the old guitar player before he dies, before she dies, um, there are no words. I'm pretty good with the English language, but I, I'm helpless to find words to adequately adequately describe the emotions and the, the fortification that takes place around those campfires with those terminally ill kids. It's, it's as magical and mystical in the physics of spirituality that God has ever blessed humankind with, and uh, I am humbled and moved and inspired to the core. Isn't it a wonderful thing that you can use your celebrity not for the aggrandizement of your own ego, but to help other people? I mean, that's what it's for. Magic. Absolutely. When I say I'm a lucky, lucky man, I cannot count the ways, but I just gave you the ultimate indication. Indeed. I have 30 seconds. The zombie apocalypse comes. You can grab one weapon. What is it? (laughs) It's what I'm holding on to right now. i got a beautiful original Colt M16 M4 carbine with a POF upper that uh, unleashes uh, 750 rounds a minute, and I will make a wall of zombies to protect my family. Was that made specially for you? Well, we kind of tweaked it. I have, I'm surrounded by mad scientist gun gurus who, who create these out. I have my own line of ammo, and these guys, I think, are in a dungeon weighing projectiles and propellants. I mean, the, the modern ammo, especially Ted Nugent ammo, is so efficient. So is it better accurate. than Marcus Luttrell's ammo? Uh, it's probably approaching that guru <laughs> level. I would never I would never want to go anywhere beyond the shadow of humbleness beyond Marcus Luttrell. We have had conversations about you and he just as you already know absolutely admires you. Ted, I got to go to break. Warehouse Live tonight. It's the Sonic Baptism Tour. Always a pleasure to have you on, sir. Michael Berry, God bless America. Godspeed the US military and the heroes of law enforcement. Thank you, bud. <laughs> 